You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. We are, uh, yeah, if you're new here, I'm, I'm Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, if you're new here, we've been doing a three-week series on gospel community and mission that we do every single year that we want to just review who we are as a church and why we are as a church and what God has called us to as a church. And so we've talked about gospel, we've talked about community, and today we're talking about mission. And so we review this all the time because we're forgetful people, and it's good to be reminded we need to be reminded, but some of you are new to our church, and so it's just good to know what we're all about, what we're trying to be and do as a church, what's the target we're shooting at. And so that's why this, this vision series is important every year. So we're doing something a little different. Um, we're basically, I, I preached on Philippians 3, verses 2 through 9, for explaining what the gospel is. And last week we took that same text and said, what are the what are the implications of that on community? And today we're going to do the same thing. What are the implications of, gos- of gospel, Philippians 3, 2 through 9, on how we view ourselves as those that should be sharing our faith? I mean, Jesus said, go into all the world preaching the gospel. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go and make disciples of everyone, teaching, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And know that I'm with you to the very end. And that's his commission for Christians. That we are to participate in that. And so um, I want to I read our text again for today. And then we'll look at the implications that it has for how we think about evangelism and, and making disciples. So if you have a Bible, Philippians 3, starting in verse 2, Philippians 3, starting in verse 2, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So what are the implications of this text on evangelism, on thinking about mission? And especially verse 9, being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. That statement is in contrast to if you look, it won't be on the screen, but if, if you look up where he says, I put no confidence in the flesh. Like, I put no confidence in me and my own efforts. Me 
and like my, like we talked about a lot, like here's my spiritual resume, God, here's all the things that I've achieved, here's my advanced degrees in Christianity, here's all the stuff that I'm doing to prove myself that I'm worthy, it's all written down here, God, please, please look at it, please accept me based on this, that's what, that's what Paul's talking about, so I'm not putting any confidence in that, I don't put any confidence in the flesh. My confidence is in this gift of grace that's given to me as a gift by faith. Found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, from putting my confidence in the flesh. Same thing. That's what he's saying here. But that which comes through faith in Christ. So what are the implications of that on how we live out evangelism? Live out sharing our faith with people that don't know Jesus, that don't know this news. Three things this morning. Number one, if this is true, and it is, it diminishes our fear in evangelism. It diminishes our fear in evangelism. Number two, it diminishes the pressure in evangelism. Diminishes the pressure in evangelism. And number three, it increases the joy. It increases the joy in evangelism. So first of all, number one, diminishes the fear in evangelism. So if my salvation is a gift of God, not by works, not by climbing the ladder of good deeds, not by my spiritual resume, but by Jesus' spiritual resume, the best spiritual resume ever given to me, credited to me as a gift when I come to him by faith and say, God, I need you. I repent of my sin. I turn to you. He says, All the stuff that's on my spiritual resume is now credited to you. You get it as a gift. And based on that, you are seen to be worthy. Based on that, you are saved. So if that's true and it is, then what does that mean for me? It means I got nothing to prove. Christ has proved it all for me. I got nothing to lose because I have everything already. I've got nothing to hide because he knows everything. And I've got nothing to defend because Christ is my defender. The God of the universe has called me his own. He has welcomed me. He's died for me. He's brought me to himself. So if that's true, why would I fear what people think of me? Why would I fear what people think of me? I know. Easier said than done, right? Easier said than done. But let's not give up. Just because it's hard, let's not give up preaching these truths to ourselves about our identity being secure in Christ so that I don't have to fear people's opinions. If salvation is all a gift of God through his grace where he pursued me, called me his own, sought me before I ever sought him, shouldn't that lead to us being the most secure people in the world? Like my identity is solid. Nothing can change that. No one can take that away from me. I'm secure. Jesus says, John 11, my sheep hear my voice and no one can snatch them out of my hand. So if you're hearing the voice of God in the Bible and you're trusting it, treasuring it, saying yes to it by faith, then you know you're secure. You're secure. You don't have to run to other things for this false flimsy, feeble security that can always be disrupted, right? You don't have to run to these other things like relationships 
They can always be disrupted and taken away. Like money, they can always be disrupted and taken away. Like status, always can be disrupted and taken away. You're secure in light of the gospel, in light of the good news. So then why would I fear what other people think of me when I share my faith? So let's not give up preaching these truths to ourselves. If I know this, it will diminish the fear in, in, our, in sharing our faith. Uh, number two, it diminishes the pressure in evangelism. Diminishes the pressure in evangelism. Verse nine, being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Trusting, trusting Christ in his word. Treasuring Christ in his word. So, if this is true, and it is, I don't have to prove my worthiness to the Lord or to anyone because Jesus has made me worthy by his worthiness being given to me as a gift when I come to him in, in faith, right? So he credits worthiness to me by grace, not by works, including, here it is, including my performance or my ability to share my faith really well or not, right? You're not saved, like point being this morning, you're not saved by your performance of evangelism, okay? You're not saved by that. You're saved by Christ. But oftentimes, I know like a scenario might go like this. Like maybe you're talking to a coworker most of us in the room have coworkers. And, they, and you're just having a conversation. And they say something that, that triggers something in your mind. Like maybe this would be a good time when I could just share my faith. Talk like a Christian. Like let's say one of their parents just passed away. Someone close to them passed away. And you think, well, this is a great time to talk about why I have hope in life after death. Or maybe you're talking about the numerous injustices in the world that we know are happening everywhere around the world here in Madison. War in Ukraine, children being trafficked, something like this. And you, and you think about saying something about like why you have hope for real justice in a world where it seems like justice so often doesn't take place. That there will be a God who balances the scales one day. Or maybe you're talking about money and stress that comes with money and bills and debt. And maybe this could be a time for you to share about how you've seen God's provision in your life. And just share it. And then the thought crosses your mind, but I'm not sure what to say. Right? I don't know if I could be that convincing. I don't know if, if, if it's going to come out right. What if they ask me follow-up questions and I don't know how to answer them? Like I, I've felt this way at times. I'm, I'm sure... A lot of you in the room have felt that way too. But here's the deal. Like, we can breathe. We can relax. Because remember, if someone gets saved, theologically speaking, it's not because you did such an amazing job convincing them. Now, that's not to diminish that we shouldn't be thoughtful about how we share our faith. Okay? But the reality is, according to the Bible, you can't just logic someone into the kingdom of God. I've preached on this recently. You can't back someone into a corner and say, checkmate, 
now you have to be a Christian because I laid it all out perfectly for you. That's not how the human heart works. Theologically speaking, the Bible teaches that if anyone becomes a Christian, it's the miracle of God choosing them by his grace, opening their eyes to see the beauty and goodness and trustworthiness of Jesus. This is called the doctrine of election or predestination or God's sovereignty and salvation. What does that mean? Well, one of the things that means is it's not all up to you when you share your faith. You don't get the credit if they become a Christian, and you also don't get the credit if they don't. So, So share your faith with freedom, without fear. It's not all up to you, right? Like, think about it like this. There are people in this world that know their Bibles so much better than anybody in this room. They know it backwards and forwards in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And they are so studied theologically, they could come up with absolutely any answer that any skeptic of Christianity could come up with and have it be a well-reasoned, thoughtful answer. Guys like Dr. William Lane Craig and others, they've been doing this for years. They travel all over the world just sharing their faith and and interacting with skeptics and trying to give 1 Peter 3.5 a well-reasoned answer for for the hope that they have. And there are people uh, that, that just, no matter what, they're not going to believe, right? They're just not going to believe. And, and the opposite is also true sometimes. In the mystery of God's sovereignty, there are people that are exposed to some of the silliest, worst, just foolish gospel presentations out there. And God uses it to save them. Maybe that's true in your own life. Right? And that's, and that's true to some degree in my life. Like, I was I'm super, super thankful for the youth group um, that I was raised up in, junior high, high school, had mentors pouring into me. Um, it was beautiful. I'm super, super thankful for it. And that's really, I think, where my, 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 where my, where my faith really solidified. But as I look back on that, that experience in youth ministry, when I was a kid, like there was some pretty glaring weaknesses biblically, theologically, right? Some significant deficiencies. But it's okay. It's okay. I'm thankful for it. God used that in my life. That's not to say that we shouldn't focus on, at times, you know, deficiencies and, 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 and things that might be a little off. And, of course, like um, I would never say that if I was in like some cult, you know, that that, that, would, that would just be like, oh, God used it, it's fine. Well, like, God could use a lot of things, okay? But you hear what I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying. Like, um, like if, there, if I was in some youth ministry that was abusive and all that, um, you know, we would talk about that. We would want to address that, right? The whole point, though, is that none of us are in some perfect, absolutely perfect environment where faith is just shared absolutely perfectly without any sin on the part of those sharing it. Um, There's just no such thing as a perfect ministry, okay? I'm thankful for how I was raised in this youth ministry. But whether it's my youth youth ministry I was raised in or, or yours 
or the church you come from or the person that shared their faith with you. There's never going to be like this airtight perfection in sharing of, of your faith. Okay? It's never going to be absolutely perfect. So all that to say, just go for it. Just go for it. God does the saving, we do the sharing. Okay? God does the saving, we do the sharing. Romans 10, faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. Right? So it's the grace of God to open the eyes in response to hearing the gospel. That's how anybody gets saved. So this doesn't mean we should be lazy and foolish in sharing our faith. But don't let the pressure of having to do it all perfectly prevent you from doing it. That's the point. That's the point. So number one, it diminishes the fear. Number two, it diminishes the pressure in evangelism. And number three, it increases the joy in evangelism. It increases the joy in evangelism. I don't know if you guys have been exposed to this show. It's on the History Channel uh, there's a few seasons on Netflix, but our family has become big fans in the last few years. It's a show called Alone. And for those of you who haven't seen it, I'll just give you the quick summary. Um, it's basically a competition of who can last the longest in the wilderness all by themselves. So they drop them off in, like, there's like 10 contestants, and they each get dropped off in some really rugged place in Alaska or in Siberia or, you know, all over the world. And basically, they're just alone. And so they have all this camera gear, and they're taught how to film themselves, everything they do. And at the end of the season, the producers of the show will take all that footage and make it into the TV show. And so what happens is, you're what's called tapping out. Uh, you're, you're able to tap out, just give up. You just call on the satellite phone and say, I'm tapping out, I can't do this anymore, it's too scary, you know, I've got sick, I drank the water and I got sick or whatever, I can't find food. And so they just come get you whenever you're ready. And it's just who can last the longest. And the winner gets like half a million dollars. And so it's a really interesting show on a, on a variety of levels. Like what happens to people in isolation? What happens when community is ripped away from you? Um, it's very, very interesting in a, in a lot of levels. But Basically, what the show boils down to is you're just watching people starve to death. <laughs> and thankfully, none of them die because they get medical checks once a week. And, but, I mean, all of these people lose crazy amounts of weight. And, um, and so he, what, what's really interesting is they all have strategies for getting food. So, and they have different tools that they can bring with them based on the show's rules and regulations. And so you can bring a bow and arrow. A lot of them know how to trap animals. And a lot of them know how to fish really well. And so they can make these fishing poles. They're allowed to maybe bring some, some line. And so you, you see these people, and they're just starving to death. And they've got their fishing pole, and they're just, like, wavering because, like, I, I don't know if I can do this anymore, but... Half a million dollars could really go a long way, and they'll be out there fishing, and they'll get that tug, and they get that fish, and it comes up, and it lands on the land, and they know they've got a meal for one more day, and they just freak out. Like, 
I mean, fishing's fun. Ty, right? Mike, like, fishing's fun. But you guys are not crying tears of joy, at least I hope you're not, when, <laughs> when you catch a fish, right? Like, these people lose their minds. They're so excited because they're so hungry and they're so, so in so much emotional turmoil because it's so hard and they're conflicted between giving up and this money they could have and it's like this fish changes everything. They're just so joyful. They're giggling. They're singing songs. They're tears of joy. Like if you're starving and you find food, what happens to your emotions? You're happy. You're joyful. You're thankful, right? And that's what this produces in our hearts. Salvation by grace alone is like that. It produces joy. I mean, it, it, it's, it's cliche, but it's cliche for a reason because it's true. Sharing our faith is not arrogance. It's just one starving person telling another starving per- person where to find food. It's mercy. It's love. It's help. Now, the problem is so many people in our world don't view themselves as starving, if you can understand the metaphor. But that's okay. Why? Because of points number one and two. Because you're, you're secure in Christ, so it's not all about the pressure that you put on yourself. And it's not all up to you, and you don't have to fear. So if they don't believe that they're starving, and they don't believe that, that you know where food is, Jesus, I'm the bread of life, he said, that's okay. It's not all up to you. Just be faithful to share. But if you know where the food is, that's joy, Right? Like, if you're starving and you suddenly find a hidden storage closet of food, you're going to be overjoyed. You don't go to your starving friend and just say, eh, I guess there's some food over there if you want to check it out. Like, whatever. No, it's like, there's food over here. And we're going to be eating. And it's going to feel so good because we're so hungry. Like, let's go. Like, joy should wash over us if we read verse 9 and really think about it. I don't have to earn anything in terms of my standing before God. I don't have to slave and slave and at the end of my life just hope I did enough. Like that's every other religious worldview in the world. Just work hard and hope for the best. That you'll, that you'll get a better incarnate, uh, reincarnation. That maybe Allah will, will smile upon you if you did enough. No, God in his love chose to exalt himself as glorious as the glorious giver, doesn't sweep sin under the rug, but rather pours out his wrath on himself in the person of Jesus so that he can be seen as taking sin seriously and also allowing the guilty to go free. It's all grace. It's all a gift. And if you know that and know that you don't deserve it but simply receive it, That news brings joy to your heart. And that joy will be clear when you share it. So telling this news is is not a privilege, I'm sorry, is not a burden, but a privilege when we remind ourselves of the truth of what Paul reminds this ancient church in Philippi of 2,000 years ago. Be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. 
So if this is true and it is, what does that have to do with evangelism? It diminishes the fear, it diminishes the pressure, and increases the joy. Now some of you might be sitting here this morning thinking to yourselves, I get that. I can, I can assent to that. I hear that. I logically get it. I want to do it. Can you give me something a little more practical on how to actually go about sharing my faith? Is there like a, a strategy, a structure that you want to think about? Yes, and, and, and I have a, a strategy that I really like that, that I want to commend to us this morning as I think about sharing my faith and, and our family as well. Now, you might have your own strategy. Um, ben and Katie are back here, and they are directors for, for crew on campus. They do a really good job sharing their faith. Um, they have a strategy that they teach students. Um, you could check in with them. This is just mine. Um, but if you have your own strategy, it's a better strategy, great, do it. Do it. But here's how I think about evangelism, and I call it the three P's of evangelism. And some of you have heard me talk about this. Um, some of you haven't. So let me just, for those of you that have, it's review. For those of you that haven't, um, I hope this is helpful. So the three P's of evangelism. Number one, prayer. Number one, prayer. And Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So like if you're connected to me, if you know me, you trust me, if you abide in me, that's what abide means, if you're with me and, and my words are with you, so you're going to know him and know his word, meaning your desires are going to be adjusted by being in proximity and connection to Jesus. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, here it is, ask whatever you wish and it will be given unto you. So what is God's word? God's word is go make disciples. God's word is share your faith. God's word, have a, give a reason for the hope that you have. And so that, if that word is abiding in you, God loves to answer that prayer. Ask whatever you wish, it will be given unto you. So if you're abiding, ask what you want. If you know him, ask what you want. He loves to grant it. Because you see then the, the abiding is going to conform and, 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 and dictate the things you ask for because you're abiding in him. You're going to ask according to his desires, his will, his, his, his essence. So we know that God loves to answer the prayer. God, would you help me figure out how to share my faith? God, I, I feel clumsy. I feel fearful. I feel pressure. Would you just help me? God loves to answer that prayer. God, would you give me opportunities to share my faith this week at work, in the neighborhood? Lord, we want to make disciples. I don't know how to do it, but would you help me? Like, I've seen over and over, when you pray that on repeat, it may not happen as fast as you want. God loves to answer that prayer. So I would just dare you guys to start praying that way. If you feel deficient in, in, in mission, in evangelism, in sharing your faith. It all starts with prayer. It all starts with prayer. So pray. Second P is be present. Be present. And this is kind of a cliche around here. We, we say Christians are never a Christian cul-de-sac, right? Uh, be present. If all you ever do is hang out with Christians, it's really hard to share your faith, right? So the question is, who are the people that, that don't know Jesus that I consistently hang out with? 
This could be seen a lot of ways. Everybody, most, probably everybody in this room has a job or lives in a neighborhood. So in that sense, you're prob- unless you live in a Christian commune with no job, you're probably going to be hanging out with people that don't know Jesus. You're going to be present. Now, there's ways to increase that or decrease that. And, you know, a lot of people will say, like, are you a backyard person or are you a front yard person if you have a, if you have a house? Um, like, do you, do you always, you know, just shut the, the curtains or the blinds in your house? Or is there any sense of openness in your home? Like, are you seen in the neighborhood are you present in the neighborhood, or is it drive the car in the garage, shut the garage door, and never to be seen again? In what ways are you present? Maybe it's your hobbies. Like, I have a structure imposed on myself where I hang out with, with people that don't know Jesus five hours a week just based on a, a, an athletic hobby that I have. What is that for you? Like, what are you interested in? Um... There's a thousand ways to be creative with being present, being present with those that don't know the Lord. And so just, that should just be a concept that we should ask ourselves and that should be reflected on our calendar. In what ways am I going to be present in my life this week with those that don't know Jesus? Now, some of you might say, like, well, yeah, I, I work and I'm present with people that don't know the Lord all the time. And, and it might be inappropriate for me to, like, be handing out tracts at work. Yeah, everybody gets that. But at least is there a desire to build relationships? And, and you know, a lot of workplaces have, like, we, we don't allow proselytizing at work. Yeah, what, what they mean is you're not going to stand up and do an altar call in the middle of the office. You're not going to be putting pressure on people. But at the same time, you're more than welcome to be a Christian in your workplace, right? Now, there's going to take wisdom here, right, in how that works. But most of us are not erring on the side of about to get fired because we're so bold in sharing our faith. Most of us are on the opposite side of that, right? So maybe you have friends at work and you get lunch together. And you just talk about what I'm going to talk about next. So pray, be present, and then simply present yourself as a Christian. Pray, be present, and present yourself. Present yourself as a Christian. And that's just what I was talking about earlier in that scenario of you're just talking to somebody about whatever, about the war in Ukraine, about, about you know, stress, about money, or whatever. And there's always opportunities for you to be yourself as a Christian. And just to say, hey, as a Christian, blank, 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 here's how I think about that. As a Christian, here's how I think about, you know, the fact that there's a lot of injustice in this world. I have a hope in Christ because uh, he's risen from the dead and he promises to re- return to make all things right. And you don't, have to ex- you don't necessarily have to explain it. You can just state it. Like, this is how I think about things as a Christian. And so in that sense, you're not putting this pressure on yourself of like, I've got to sit here and answer every question they could ever come up with about why does God exist and how do I know this and how, does, how do I know that Jesus rose from the dead? How do I know the Bible's trustworthy? 
How do I know that sin is real? How do I know that that deserves punishment? And how does that get dealt with? And how could sinful people be made right in light of a holy God? A lot of us have just put us on the spot. Like, I'm not sure if I can give good answers. Now, that should be something we, we focus on. Uh, we should grow in our abilities to get good answers to that. So don't diminish that. But what I'm saying is, just talk like a Christian. It could be as simple as, hey, can I pray for you? As a Christian, I believe that prayer is like, really important, really powerful. Or maybe it's something that Jesus has said, like, like um, somebody that you're friends with that doesn't know the Lord is really worried about something. And somehow the, 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 the conversation just turns to you sharing about worry in your life and how you think about, man, there's a promise from Jesus that I believe as a Christian that he's going to take care of me. And he talks about the, the birds of the air and, and, and the grass of the field and how God knows about them and takes care of them, how much more he will take care of me. And just saying something like, I've seen that true in my life. And you don't necessarily even have to like put them on the spot and say, do you believe this too? I mean, you could, you could. But what I've seen is oftentimes when I just talk like a Christian, those kind of um, moments happen just naturally. They just happen naturally. And that person might say to me, like, so why, why, why do you believe in Jesus? Or why do you go to church? Like, what's your church all about? And I'll end up saying something like, well, our church is all about this Jesus guy and what he did in history and he died for our sins and rose from the dead. We believe that as a historical fact. And that has changed my life. And, and it has implications for everybody if it's true. And the conversation just rolls from there. Right? So, again, I'm not saying we should just be sloppy and not have good answers for questions. You can go online and read a billion different answers that are great answers for a thousand million different questions that people might have about Christianity. You could do that, and I encourage you to. I encourage you to. Um, but more than anything, for a lot of us, we don't share our faith because of some of these emotional things. I'm scared. I'm not going to do it right. I don't think I have all the answers. And I, in my experience, the three Ps will get you there. If you're praying, God's going to provide. If, you, if, if you're present, and just intentionally just being with people that don't know the Lord, it's going to lead to the third one of opportunities for you to present yourself as a Christian and just talk like a Christian. Not be afraid to talk like a Christian. And this is who I am. And because I'm a Christian, I think about what we're talking about in this way. Um, and that almost always leads to that discussion going other places. And I could go on and on with examples, but I think you hear what I'm saying. So I just want to commend that approach to you this morning. Maybe jot down a note where you'll see it. Like, can I be, how can I be praying regularly? It all starts there. Where am I present? Where am I intentional to be present with unbelievers? And then as the opportunity rises, and it always does, I'm just going to talk like a Christian. I'm just going to be myself and believe that that's going to go different places. And it seems like the Holy Spirit always loves to take us those places. Okay. Well, let's pray together and ask that God would do this among us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for um, the gift of your word and the implications of having a righteousness, not of our own, that we conjured up, that we produced through good works, but that which comes through trusting and treasuring you 
seeing you, hearing your word, believing it. Lord, thank you for that news. Thank you for what you've done in history to make this true in our lives. Um, God, we, we need your help. We need your help. And we ask even now as a big group that you would uh, provide us with more opportunities to share our faith. We would see more people having their eyes opened to, to see you as beautiful, to see more people um, baptized here in Madison, in, at the Vine, and any other church that names you as Lord and all throughout the world. May it be so. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.